Blog Talk Radio. This is Know It All. Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. Many thanks again to D.C. High School student Trayvon for our wonderful theme music. I know how hard he worked to put that together, and I'm so thankful. Um, We aim to make you, our listeners, know-it-alls about education law, policy, and practice that affect you. Remember to listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern or at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com slash know-it-all. Today's show is a featured show on the Blog Talk Radio website. Be sure to follow us at blogtalkradio.com. I am battling a bit of a cold this morning, so bear with me. I hope that you can hear me just fine. I am your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I'm a civil rights attorney with a focus on equity and public education. Keep up with me on my website at allisonbrownconsulting.com. Know It All is proud to be sponsored by The Root DC, part of the Washington Post family. The Root DC focuses on news for and about African Americans in the DC region. You can find episodes of Know It All and my blog posts after each show on my website and on The Root DC website at washingtonpost.com slash local slash The Root DC. So we hear a lot of talk about the academic achievement gap. Students of color have lower graduation rates, standardized test scores, and are at higher risk of suspension and expulsion from school than white students. Low-income students see the same disparities in outcome and performance as between themselves and higher-income students. There are some really exceptional programs out there that are devoted solely to closing those gaps and eliminating harder-to-measure opportunity gaps opportunity of experiences, opportunity of leadership, and certainly opportunity of adult time and attention. I'm delighted to have with me today two visionaries who have created two very different enrichment programs that have many of the same goals. Titra Subramanian is the Executive Director of Mommy's TLC, which stands for Mentors of Minorities in Education's Total Learning System, Mommy's TLC. And Dr. Malcolm Woodland is the founder and director of Young Doctors DC. Malcolm hopefully will be joining us in just a few minutes. Good morning, Mama Titra. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Mama Ellison. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome. Will you start off by describing for the audience the Mommy's TLC mission and explaining exactly what you do? Yes, of course. So Mommy's mission is to nurture nurture the genius of children and create a transformative educational experience. And so we've been around for over 10 years in D.C., and we nurture the genius of our children by offering long-term holistic commitment to our young people, and we do year-round programming after school and summer um, throughout um, our children's lives. They actually stay connected to us for a longer period of time. And, you know, most importantly, we're trying to build our children to be conscious, citizens, compassionate, um, nurture them to take risks, ask questions, and give them a cultural grounding, stuff that we don't believe that they're getting um, in mainstream education. Excellent. And so how exactly, what, what pieces of the program are in place to make sure that you meet your goals? 
Right, right. So we have a very intentional program in place. So our young children, you know, come to mommies, they enroll when they're when they're maybe three, four, or five years old, and we found that they stay with us for years and years and years. So that's definitely a part of our mission to make that long-term commitment because, you know, we don't see ourselves as a program. We see ourselves as an institution. We need to be an anchor in our children's lives. And so we are not just a, you know, a stop-and-go type of program. So when, you know, when children are with us, they're with us in, in strong, um, multiple levels. And so we have, you know, very, very strategic methods in place to to nurture our children's genius because we see their power. It's our job to bring it to the surface. And so we have a lot of components that help to harness that power. So just, in a, you know, just kind of a day-by-day, just, you know, overview of what we do in our after-school program. The children learn about great people from our past and present through um, the Great Person series. So we engage them in hands-on history, teaching, and learning. We also involve them in meditation and leadership development where our children actually practice being a leader in the program on the day-to-day. And we also support their academics by building, you know, relationships with the schools and parents to ensure that we're meeting, you know, meeting not only their needs but just supporting their strengths. And so we do all these components, but I guess most importantly, again, we are – you know, an institution for our children. So, again, we are, you know, providing these supports, but we are doing much more than that because I think it is our job to not only build our relationships with the kids but to make sure that we are um, engaging our families and everyone that's involved in our children's life in in a meaningful way. And so that means a big part of our work is also building relationships with our families. Excellent. Um, Malcolm, Again, Dr. Malcolm Woodland is the founder and director of Young Doctors D.C. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning. So, Malcolm, you are a shrink, as you tell people. (laughs) (laughs) What is your your medical background, and where did the idea for Young Doctors D.C. come from? Um, uh, uh, One, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on with you, uh, Ms. Brown, as well as um, Mommy, who I'm very familiar with and excited with yes. about the work that they've been doing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, as it pertains to Young Doctors D.C., um, it's, this is really a project that I've been thinking about for a very long time, probably the last 15 years, to be quite honest. Um, and it's, it's obviously in that time gone through a number of iterations. But what we're doing is... Um, we're based in uh, Southeast D.C. and Ward 8 in particular, and we were interested in a couple of things. We were um, very concerned about the um, health disparities that exist on that side of the river, just a couple of things. We know that you know young people on that side of the river are more likely to be obese than any other kids in the city, um, suffer from juvenile diabetes, people are more likely to die of um, heart disease, and a number of other preventative illnesses, actually. Um, than other parts of the city. And we also know that there is a um, serious need for health care. There are, uh, what, about 140,000 people who live east of the river and only 90 uh, practicing uh, family care physicians. So so we're talking about a huge disparity um, that exists. And that was something that concerned us because we – you know, uh, understood some of the roots of that, you know, in terms of um, the food deserts and the lack of uh, just quality health care on that side. And we also understood kind of what was going on with the children, the um, poor test scores, the um, the the problems with um, schools on that side. So we wanted to do something that um, that 
that allowed us to work within those two areas while also building the capacity of the community. And that's where the idea for Young Doctors came from. And what we're doing is we're working with young guys from Anacostia High School and Baloo High School, myself, a psychologist, or a shrink, as I like to say, and and, um, a few physicians as well and a teacher. And we've all come together to develop this organization where we're taking young people from Anacostia and Baloo High School up to Howard University during the summers where they'll stay on campus and take classes in the psychology department during the day. And in the afternoon, they um, shadow physicians at Howard University Hospital. Um, It's a four-year program. These are, we're just starting. This is our inaugural year. And um, so we have uh, ninth graders. And they'll be starting this summer. They'll be living on campus, learning all of that information. On Saturdays, they'll also um, come back up to campus and learn about health, medicine, and also um, receive homework help. And the one place I'm excited about that because that's the health ambassador model where you take young people or take anyone um, in the community and you train them and have them go work within their own communities to increase health or whatever kind of outcome that you're looking for. But we wanted to take it a step further and do kind of a service learning component. So what actually is going to happen is after these young people kind of learn about preventative health, learn about um, mental health, they'll return to their communities and do free health clinics where they will be the ones talking to their family members, talking to their friends, talking to their other community members about their mental health, taking blood pressure readings, talking to people about diabetes prevention, and they'll be, of course, under the supervision of myself and the other docs who work um, with young doctors. So the hope with that is we're working in a few different areas. Again, we're working to relieve those health disparities. We're providing uh, 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 strengthening that community that we think is already strong in a number of ways. And we also want to create, you know, there's there are a number of discussions about pipelines, right? And, um, mm-hmm. Allison, I know you do a lot of this work as well. And one of the right. pipelines that we're concerned with is the pipeline to prison. But what we're trying to do is develop a pipeline to health care, uh, uh, careers in health care, and a pipeline mm-hmm. to college for these young people. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the, the the essence of young doctors, and that's how um, how we were founded. Mm-hmm. Wonderful! Both both of these are just incredible programs, um, and and I'd like to point out that you know as is the topic of our conversation today, these are both programs that are happening outside of the regular classroom experience. So these are enrichment programs to really support students in their development um, <clears throat> beyond what's being provided in school. Um, you know, my my children go to, as you both know, go to a, a Spanish immersion school here in D.C., which is technically a dual language dual language program of Spanish and English. And um, <clears throat> the school is very deliberate about making sure that students receive the majority of their classroom instruction in Spanish, because the the environment is actually teaching and supporting learning in English. What have you seen, and Chitra, I'll ask you first, what have you seen that you are working to um, combat in the environment mm-hmm. or to support in the environment that the children already get every single day? Right, right. So, so again, I think our schools are doing some incredible things. Um, and, again, you know, the program, you know, the school that you're describing, Mama Allison, you know, many of our children actually attend that, you know, attend that school. And so, you know, our job is to not only complement and, you know, add value to, you know, kind of the, 
you know, the day-to-day, um, just the academic learning that they're, that they're, you know, participating in. Yes, we complement that and maybe even, you know, you know, we even kind of just hone in on very specific areas that we want to further develop, so areas of need. But um, just even beyond that, though, um, you know, again, we look at education as transforming our children's experience and the way they look at the world. And so, you know, key areas that we feel um, that are needed is to build experiences for our children to, you know, to not only celebrate who they are, um, but to be exposed to others, to other themes, topics, you know, um, time periods, worldviews, um, you know, different causes, so they are connected to the world. And so, and so these are some of the things that we feel aren't, you know, being hit on as strategically, um, and so we are providing that space where our children are, you know, getting that learning and, and, and feeling inspired. And it's not so much about, you know, the academic kind of facts and figures of things. It's about experiencing, experiences um, uh, that they can take away and say, hey, you know, I learned about this great person and they were able to get through um, this situation just like how I'm getting through it. And so I think the the great person series teaching is a way in which we try to um channel channel that experience for them. And you know, we see it not only just a, you know, kind of like a regular curriculum, we see it as a way that we're we're not only teaching them, we're learning from them. And so, you know, again, when I reflect on my education, um, you know, it's just one of those realizations that, you know, it sets in way later. I'm like, man, I didn't I didn't really learn anything. You know, I wasn't exposed to <laughs> I wasn't exposed, to, you know, again, like I had a, you know, solid upbringing, you know, my my family was middle class, you know, education was just the highest of importance, you know, and so I went to a good, you know, public school, got through it in that very traditional sense, you know, was expected to go to college, you know, you know, went to grad school, which brought me to D.C., so everything was very traditional, it was just that path, you know, and I didn't question it, I didn't ask, hey, you know, what if I did this, I just kind of went along for the ride, yeah. um, right. and just looking back on that, I just realized, wow, I never asked questions. I never was in that position where I was encouraged to do that. I never, um, you know, I don't even think I got much from the, about the civil rights movement and about um, some of the things that I'm learning with our children every day here, you know, at Mommy's. And so it's just one of those realizations, wow, like it just, to me, it failed me miserably as, as a person. You know, I think what saved me was my passion, you know, coming back to this kind of community work. It just, I was always coming back to it. And I said, you know what, this is where I need to stay. Um, and so, again, catching our children when they're young to expose them to these experiences that are going to transform their understanding. And, again, you know, that would connect to school. That would connect to motivation and learning. And that can, you know, impact, um, you know, just the test scores and just, you know, the you know the academic side of things. But if that cultural grounding, if that, um, you know, that, you know, planting the seed of, you know, you know what, you know, these are – this is how it's been done, but maybe I need to go beyond the box because if we're not equipping our children to think beyond the box and if we're not equipping our children to, um, you know, say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to ask a question and try to do it this way because this is what I feel is right. You know, we're, to me, failing our children. So, mm-hmm. you know, and again, not preparing them for, for our for our world. And so, you know, again, Mommies is not just a program. We're trying to really plant these seeds. We're trying to use this Great Person series as a way to you know, um, allow them to, you know, engage in in a dialogue that's meaningful and that can be relatable to their experiences. And so those are the things that we feel, you know, again, aren't being hit on, you know, in your mainstream (laughs) traditional environment. Yeah. 
Um, Malcolm, your program is, um, you know, all of you, right, who are running the program are black men, and you are targeting black male students who certainly receive uh, messages from their environment about um, the failures of black men and boys and, um, you know, all of these negative things about black men and boys. How are you working to combat that, and, and are there other messages from the environment as well that you're focused on? Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, we're actually not all um, African-American men who are at our program, um, who run the program. There are actually some women with us as well, um, which we think is an important part, obviously, of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we do want to expand the program to um, to include girls. Um, at this point, we started with African-American guys, um, just because, mostly because that's that's my research interest, my research background, all of my work in writing has really been thinking about African American boys in the out of school and after school time period. Um, and and you're right, there are a number of things that I think we are um, focusing on actually combating, and also a number of areas where we wanted to strengthen. And um, in in terms of combating, I think there. Are, uh, uh, Will, William Julius Wilson kind of talked about it in his book, um, When Work Disappears, and mm-hmm. and he talks about, you know, expecting communities to be invincible, right? You know, when faced with um, um, uh, 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 lower incomes, few jobs, um, poor poor health, no grocery stores, you know, and we kind of expect communities who are faced with the, with this kind of opposition to be able to come through that with relatively little support from anyone. And um, that's something that, one, we wanted to highlight as a part of Young Doctors D.C., but also provide some of the support, at least as much support as we could, to help young people be able to negotiate these kinds of experiences. So that's why, as a part of Young Doctors D.C., kids get um, stipends and more importantly, though, we wanted to make sure that they have a skill set when they walk out of um, high school that allows them to be competitive um, and and hopefully get a scholarship to college, but also be competitive with kids from other parts of the city who have mm-hmm. these opportunities at their fingertips. Um, so, so we really wanted to think about how to combat these things in a very broad way and also using what we think are the strengths of the community. And, you know, being being a resident of Anacostia, I know that one of the uh, really important strengths that I've seen in that neighborhood and other parts of, um, and other parts of Ward 8 where I've lived is the kind of familial bonds and connections that occur on that side of the river. I've never quite seen neighborhood like we have a neighborhood in Anacostia. So what I know is that, you know, the way folks on that side are able to communicate in the type of familial bonds that they create where neighbors and blocks become uh, a quasi-family to a certain extent really works well for a program that tries to pull the young people and train those young people and have them go back into those same communities and, again, use those familial bonds to um, to increase the health, to increase the wellness of their parents and their family members. So that was one of the places where we really wanted to be supportive because I think what happens is a lot of these programs um, and a lot of the ways that we think about working with um, uh, uh, underserved communities really comes from a deficit model. You know, mm-hmm. what are these communities yep. missing? What don't they yep. have? 
and, you know, how can we come in and kind of save the day, right? And what we wanted to consider was what do these communities have? And we know that these communities have a number of strengths. So how can we uh, build the capacity of the strengths that already exist and add a little bit more to what's already going on that's positive? So that's, that's, those are some of the strengths that we're trying to add on. And we know, you know, we always tell the parents that we work with, you know, we're really here to support you all because we know, you know, you all are invested in your kids. Um and and we know some of these structural elements that exist that um that make it very difficult for these young people to um to 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 thrive in those kinds of environments so we really want to be supportive of what the parents are doing and even supportive of what the what the schools are doing in some cases i think um that that idea of those familial bonds exists even beyond the neighborhood but even into the schools as i walk into anacostia and baloo high school and see the investment of a number of those counselors and a number of those teachers and how they're you know pulling the kids into programs like young doctors dc and also mommies and really pushing for these kids in a way that um, may not happen in other areas so that's really where we wanted to provide a lot of um uh, 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 of our of our work just trying to support what's already existing and trying to add another layer of protection to these young people who who we're working with. Right. Yeah, I I love that and I think that you know it's really important to think about um, not serving as a charity, right? Not coming in, swooping in with our super skills and um, helping a, a community that can't help itself. I think it's important that as we think about service, you know, we we address the structural challenges and then um, erect our own structural supports. So, exactly. Um, right. <clears throat> and I think you know, mommies and, and young doctors DC are doing exactly that, and I really appreciate the work that you're both doing. Titra, did you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, again, Malcolm, I fully, you know, agree with you around the relationships, you know, just having that that um that network, that powerful network that that children kind of, you know, see, you know, when they are a part of this institution, you know, I think it's so important that relationship building is at the heart of what this work is about. So right. it's not you know, it's not about me. It's not about the, just the children. It is about the children, but it's about them because we are making a concerted effort to build those relationships with with their families. And it's just so it's so critical because you know how are you going to gain the trust, the full trust of a child when we don't know their families? I mean, it's just it's, you know, it just to me doesn't Very make true. any sense. Very it doesn't make any sense for us to to play a role in a child's life without making a meaningful, you know, um, meaningful effort to engage families in the lives, in our day-to-day, you know, work, to learn from our parents, to learn from um, exactly. grandparents, our older siblings, you know, the every, everyone, you know. And, and of course, teachers are, are definitely a part of that process as well. And so, but I think that what is definitely missing um in in you know some of the youth work that we're doing is just those relationships. You know, how are we going to do what we do with our children if we don't have the relationships of their of their families and how you know what you know how can we be strategic about giving you know everyone involved you know uh that meaningful role you know and without them we can't do our work you know and and you know again just kind of looking at it from that from that angle um so i think it's just at the heart of everything so cuz i i really do think that if we if we don't have those relationships then we won't be successful i i totally agree and and i mean for us we know you know, that those relationships, um, the work that we do 
with our with the kids that we have that we'll see more often than we see those families is is critically important because we know that kids um can change parent behavior, can change familial behavior better than we can. And and when I say we can, I mean uh, uh, specifically it's kind of being a, a doc. I know that um, when a kid tells their parent, you know, when a kid learns something in school or when a kid learns something hopefully from mommies or young doc, when they come back and tell their parents, hey, mom, you know, look at the back of the uh, – Hello? Hello? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh they say, Hey mom, look at the back of the um Hello. Look back... Hello. <laughs> look at the back <laughs> of the um um uh, uh, package that you're about to eat. And you know, how much how much salt is in that? How much sodium is in that? And they're the ones getting on their parents talking about that. Then the parents are more likely to change than if a healthcare professional were to say, Oh, you need to, you know, consider your salt intake, you need to consider your um sugar intake. I think children, you know, who are who have parents like I used to do who smoke and, and um, you know, they find out how bad smoking is at school and then proceed to hide their parents' cigarettes. You know? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things actually work better oftentimes than a doctor saying, hey, you know, you might want to consider um, changing your health habits. So so I think that's another way where we think about kind of what kinds of things are in our community and also working with those relationships that that already exist and bolstering those relationships. And since we know that works, then how do we begin to engage our children in, in, in making themselves and our communities a healthier place. Mm-hmm. No, that I have to, you know, <clears throat> give you my testimony on that, Malcolm. That's that is fantastic. And you know, um, my son, who is nine years old, has recently been very interested in our diet and what we're eating, and yep. um, decided that <laughs> you know, we are going to have. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. He's not a doctor yet. Right. Uh, and decided that, you know, we're going to have a family vegan week, right? So Very so all, all four of us were on this vegan diet for a week because he decided so, you know. <laughs> and we all followed his lead willingly, you know, because he, wow. uh, you know, in earnest just believed that this was the best thing for the right. family. And we, we went that direction. And I see this every single day in my work. You're absolutely right that the children are the drivers, and if we listen and we listen respectfully, then we can we can follow their lead and know which way to go and what decisions to make based on what they're telling us in their behavior and other things. So uh, I think that's a really important point. Uh, let me ask you both if you would just talk about how you partner with schools in your work. I think schools are a crucial part of the, the triangle of support when you look at children, you look at communities and families, and then, you know, schools are a key piece of that. How do you work with, with schools, Chitra? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think um, having relationships and partnership with, partnerships with schools are critical. Um, you know, I think we are involved in, in various ways. So just on the day-to-day, you know, again, consistent teacher communications around our children's progress, you know. Um, so that's more on the day-to-day. But in terms of kind of like a longer term, you know, just building stronger relationships with, with the school leadership and just making sure that they are on board and understand the work that we're doing and the added value that we're bringing um, and just, under, you know, understanding that, again, the teacher and, and the support at the school is just another partner in our overall effort. And so, you know, keeping them um, as a core partner is just is, is really important. Um, and, you know, I think we play the role 
around school relationships in a different way. So sometimes we are, you know, sometimes we are the 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 folk that, you know, support our parents even just getting into the schools. So sometimes we're we're the ones that support, you know, hey, you know what? You know, um you know, mama, so and so, you know, why don't we go to the school together so you can ask, you know, ask these questions that you have, you know, and sometimes there's a disconnect with some of our parents and and the school. So sometimes we see ourselves as as a group that can help to facilitate um, a partnership between parents and schools because sometimes, you know, unfortunately that is missing. And so it really depends on our family. Again, we're very holistic, so each each relationship that we have with our family can look and feel different. And so again, we we kind to, we are you work with individual parents in a way that makes sense for their children, for themselves, and we play that role around, okay, so, you know, how can we jump in and just help, you know, help this, help help uh, further this process along? And so whether it means, okay, taking so-and-so to an audition at a potential high school, uh, making sure that, um, you know, a, a parent has the connection to the right person at the school so they can ask the questions that they need to have asked, you know. And, and again, it just it depends on the family. It depends on, um, you know, the parent and, and the child. Um, but, again, you know, the, the continued interaction with schools are, is just very much, you know, a part of our work. And what about you, Malcolm? How do you interact with schools? Yeah, you know, it's it's the same for us. You know, um, we're well aware of the important jobs that schools do. Um, um, we know that kids are safest when they're in school. Um, and we even know those schools that, that we like to label as underperforming or ones that are having um, the most difficulty are sometimes the ones with with the most committed people. Um, that, that's certainly something that I've seen as I've been working with some of these schools here in the District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. And, and how do we work with these schools? We really depend on them, to be quite honest, for their knowledge, for their skills. Um, in particular, we first tried to cultivate a relationship with the schools, and that took some time because I think schools are used to having people kind of come in who, uh, you know, promise the world and, um, and don't deliver. So they're very protective of their kids and with, with good rights. And um, so our objective was to, you know, really identify the key players in some of these schools who who are, again, doing the work with these kids, who have the trust of families. So we were up at the schools often during the summers talking to these counselors who were there, who, you know, had families coming in during the summers and talking. The counselors were talking to the families about what these kids need to be considering you know, in terms of credits to take and um, how they want to negotiate their high school experience to get the optimal outcome. So we were able to sit with these counselors and see the kind of work that they were doing in their commitment and also share in that and say, we want to be another avenue that you all have that you can funnel some of these kids to because, again, we're really aware of some of the concerns that um, that, that that these kids are faced with um, who live who live in these neighborhoods, and we want to provide a, a, another mechanism in addition to the school that is both supportive and that in some cases can really um, go beyond what schools are traditionally in place to do, right? We know mm-hmm. schools um, schools have to do a lot. You know, not only do they have to educate kids, they have to socialize kids, they have to protect kids, you know, and, you know, now mm-hmm. they have to meet, you know, minimum standards on tests. Right where sometimes right. the predictive validity and reliability of those tests is in question. 
but um, but still, this is something that they're mandated to do. And I think what's exciting about the out-of-school out and after-school time period, and I'm sure um, uh, the folks from Mommies will agree, is that we don't have those kinds of restrictions. So we can, you know, have – we can take – months on end to deal with health disparities and health topics and talking to these kids about preventative medicine and mental health, whereas the, um, the, the, the school system can't be that narrowly focused. And we can, you know, take kids over to the hospital and um, not have to worry about um, some of the liability elements that the public school would have to do. So, again, what we're trying to do is just bolster some of the things that – some of, bolster um, a number of the great things that the public schools are doing and um, really add in an area where we know it would be difficult for schools with limited mm -hmm. funding to um, to be able to accomplish. So, you know, in essence, we we always say we want our kids – to be um, competitive with the kids that come from Sidwell, you know, mm -hmm, we mm -hmm, want mm -hmm. to kids to be like, oh, okay, you know, because we know that those are the young people that they're going to be competing with when they um, when they put in their college applications. So right. we want and, to make and sure for the that audience, that's for the right. audience to know, Sidwell Friends is is where the president's children go to school here in DC. Right, right. It, exactly, you know, and um, we want you know our kids. Um, might be as well. Actually, I don't think it's asking for a lot that we want our kids to have just as much as um, Sasha and Malia. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know. Well, you are now officially certified know-it-alls on extended <laughs> opportunities and enrichment programs. Malcolm Woodland is co-founder and director of Young Doctors DC, www.youngdoctorsdc.org, and Chitra Subramanian is the executive director of Mommy's TLC, www.mommystlc.com. Young Doctors DC is having its first gala next Saturday, April 6th. Malcolm, more information about that? Yeah, we're we're really excited about that. Um, we are having our inaugural cocktail party fundraiser at the Arc right there in um, right there in Ward Eight on Mississippi Avenue in the Washington Ballet Studio in the Arc. We're really really very excited about it. Um, we would love to have your listeners come out as well as you, Allison, to meet with the young doctors. Um, we're going to have what's called a white coat ceremony for them. Uh, uh, are you familiar with the white coat ceremony? No, please. No. That is when um, there are actually two white coat ceremonies that occur. When when an individual is accepted into medical school and they're about to get their training, um, they come up on stage and they're cloaked with their short white jacket. And this is, you know, something really exciting that the parents get excited about and they clap. And, you know, that that means that they're starting their medical training. And once they graduate from medical school, they get their long white jackets. So at the um, inaugural cocktail party, our young doctors will get their short white jackets. And, well, I can't uh, it'll wait. Say, indeed. It will say young doctors on it. And um, and that, those are the jackets that they're going to wear when they are um, when they're at the hospital doing the rounds with the physicians, and um, while they're in their communities doing the free health care clinics. So 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 that's the secret. The young doctors can't know about that. So hopefully none of them are listening. But um, <laughs> they're they're all in school right now, so I think we're fine. You're safe. But, yeah. Exactly. But um, but we're we're really excited about that, and we hope um, you all will go to the uh, um, website youngdoctorsdc.org or ydc.org and uh, purchase tickets for the fundraiser. Wonderful! And Chitra, any upcoming events from Mommy's TLC? 
So we have, um, you know, we have, we're gearing up for a big summer program, so we are in the midst of planning for that. But we are excited um, about a fall event that we do every year called the Great Persons Ball. Um, and so I guess more details will be upcoming, forthcoming around when and where, and Allison, I'll definitely keep you um, updated about that. But the Great Persons Ball is a healthy and exciting alternative to your regular Halloween you know, festivities. We encourage kids and families to dress up as their favorite change maker from history, great person from our past or present, and um, and it's just a really fun um, you know, amazing event where, you know, again, this is something that we've been doing for a couple of years, but we want to take it to a whole new level this fall, and I'll keep you posted about that. Wonderful, and we go every year and absolutely love it. It's a wonderful <laughs> alternative or supplement to Halloween exactly. <laughs> for parents who are looking for something exactly. healthy, healthy and safe to do. Remember to follow Know It All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison Brown, Allison R. Brown on Twitter. Find the ABC on Facebook and read my blog at AllisonBrownConsulting.com. And let me take this opportunity to again thank D.C. High School student Trayvon for the wonderful theme music that we have. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week.